It's time for episode 247 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, June 27th, 2018. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast that's just stopping in for a quick chat and can't stay long. I am one of those people who will be running out the door after a while, Micah Sargent, and I am joined across the internet by my fellow co-host, Dan Morin. Hi, Dan. Good show today, Micah. I'll see you next week. <laughs> All right, bye. Oh, wait, look at that. There are some people here. We've got uh, We've got stuff to talk about, and it starts with the person to my left, it is senior editor at Mobile Nations and psychotherapist Georgia Dow. Hello, Georgia. Hello, Micah. And to my left, another senior editor, this one from The Wire Cutter, Mr. Dan Frakes is here. Hi, Dan. How you doing? Good. How you doing? I'm doing well. Pleasure to have you as always. Ah, the person responsible for making me spend all my money. Um, We, of course, have four topics this week, as we always do, from four great, excellent people. I guess I'm talking about myself. Uh, Let's get going here. Uh, Instagram just announced a new section. Uh, of its service. It's called IGTV. It lets people uh, post up to 60 minute videos. Uh, I hopped on there to put together this ridiculous video that's literally just me spinning in a chair for 15 minutes with like Irish music playing in the background because I think the whole thing is silly. Um, But in testing it, I discovered that you can only post 15 minutes. So I think that the greater durations are only available to influencers. So I'm just curious, uh, going to this sort of long-form video on Instagram, what are your thoughts about this? Is this a good move for Instagram, bad move? Do you like it? Do you hate it? Uh, Georgia, we'll start with you. So I don't use Instagram, so I'll just put that as my first disclaimer. Um, But when I do use certain accounts, I like them to do one thing and do it really well. Um, I'm used to having Instagram for pictures, do pictures, do them better, make it easier. But like in the end, like it's YouTube, like try not to be YouTube. You're not going to be YouTube, unfortunately, or fortunately for that. And I think that companies that kind of like, you know, if you create something, do the best at that and kind of just stay in your lane. Mm. Micah, I I watched some of your video. <laughs> it popped did up right at the top. The Fifteen minutes. I did not. Good. I did the. I watched a couple minutes. I'm like, okay, wah, wah, so Micah's wah. spinning in a chair. Let me skip forward a little bit. He's still going. <laughs> uh, I think I wrote a comment bit. that was just like, "What have you done?" Um, well, this is the big thing, though, right? Like, I mean, Instagram, I think, has succeeded very well in providing this whole idea of stories where people post these really short videos. And, and the key is they're short, right? They're easy to consume. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm I'm outdated. Uh, but I, I can't. I have a hard time imagining anybody staring at their phone for like. 16 holding their phone on instagram for 60 minutes i guess we watch stuff on our phone but like i don't know it seems like instagram is something you dip into when you want sort of a quick fix not necessarily something that you're going to turn into for content that said i'm sure facebook and instagram would love to challenge youtube uh and they have a lot of people who you know visit there already to see all the influencers and celebrities and what have you so uh i would not be surprised to see that this catches on but i i don't i don't think i am the target market for this <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm kind of on the same boat. I mean, I don't use Instagram a lot, but 
but to me it was always like the place where you just kind of jump in you know jump in look at some stuff and then get out and so when they first started doing video i was like wait a minute come on you're ruining this but you know it's turned out to be really popular so clearly there's people are willing to go there for video and i guess you know for for instagram they're like hey if if people want to post long stuff here, why should we make them go somewhere else when they want when they could just stay here? So, I mean, I don't see myself going to Instagram to watch like 10 minute tutorials or like, you know, documentary things, but it makes sense for them, I guess. I just have to uh, double down on what Georgia said. Absolutely. Stay in your lane, Instagram. <laughs> I think that's <laughs> hilarious. Um, see, I think the problem here is sort of uh, expectations and habits that we've already built up. I don't think of Instagram because it's based on the phone. Like when I think about posting a video to YouTube, which I don't do, but in in the rare case that I would ever do that, that's something that I do for my Mac. And I would like edit the video in Final Cut, and then I would upload it to YouTube, and I would do all the stuff on my computer. Instagram lives on mobile, and because of that, it like the longer term video. If you want it to be done well and to look good, then it's going to involve like sending video from your Mac after you've edited it in, in uh, Final Cut Pro or something like that, and then upload. It's it's a whole complicated process. Otherwise, it really is just like you holding up your phone for a really long time and looking at things. And that does not make sense to me. But maybe there's somebody out there who it makes sense it's to. It's what the kids want, Micah. It's, it's probably <laughs> what the kids want. I don't know what the kids want anymore. We'll see what happens. But until then, I'm very meh about it. But go watch my video. Okay, Georgia, <laughs> let's hear your topic. So uh, mine goes a different way. Um, I want to know what is your biggest tech blunder or embarrassing moment? Um, please uh, entertain us. <laughs> wow, Dan. this is what happens when we invite Georgia on. She really wants us to bear <laughs> our souls. Um, the other, uh, not too long ago, a couple months back, uh, I was trying to do some work on my uh, server, which has like my website on it and a bunch of other stuff. And I, I know just enough command line stuff to be dangerous. And so I was mucking through trying to in like upgrade some package uh, on my Linux server. And I like I was like, oh, that, how hard could this be? I come from a Mac background, but like, you know, run an update on this piece of software it should be fine. And of course, I ran an update on a piece of software and it just broke Every single thing on the entire server, my website went down. The only option I had was to roll everything back to a backup, which thank God I had. But like, it was just that moment of like, oh, I'll just type this very innocuous command. That should be fine. Updating software. How, how bad could that be? And it just, it broke everything. I hope I have time for this. I'm, this is why I had a short answer on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, years ago, I'd moved a Mac mini server from one part of the house to the other, and it'd been totally working fine. And then when I started up, it gave me a folder with a question mark uh, at startup. So um, I'm like, what the heck? It just worked. I spent literally like an entire day troubleshooting it. I restarted, you know, safe boot, booting from emergency DVDs back then. Um, single user mode. I mean, I tried basically everything that a troubleshooter would do. Um, I disconnected everything, but the keyboard and mouse tried different cables. Um, and I got so pissed that I'm like, okay, fine. I'm taking this thing apart. I took it apart and made sure everything was connected inside. Took out the hard drive that connected to another Mac. That worked fine. Um, I put his RAM in a different Mac to make sure the RAM was good. That worked fine. <clears throat> and then finally, like I, when I was putting RAM back, I put the other Mac's RAM in this one and it worked. I was like, what the heck? Oh, well, great. And then I installed an update and restarted, and it was dead again. And I'm like, what the hell? What's going on here? Um, I swapped the RAM back, started up, and it worked again. 
And then I restarted and it stopped working again. And I was like, what is going on? Um, so this took me like, this is all in two minutes, but this was like probably eight hours of troubleshooting. Um, the one thing I hadn't tried earlier was I held down option at startup, you know, which brings up the uh, the startup manager where you can choose a startup drive. And it prompted me for a firmware password. I'm like, what is going on? And then I realized, this is back when I was working in Macworld, that um, a few months earlier, I'd written an article about firmware passwords. And this was my testing Mac. And so I didn't, I'd enabled a firmware password. But in addition to that, I had never set a startup disk in system preferences on this one. And so that specific combination of things um, will basically give you this result. And uh, I just happened to like, luck upon the one solution, which is the backdoor for firmware passwords is, of course, if you change the amount of RAM in the computer, you get one startup to then go in and reset it. Uh, but that's the only reason I even figured out or found out what was happening and fixed it was that I happened to switch the RAM. But uh, I was pretty embarrassed after that. And like, <laughs> I think I spent probably literally like eight hours swearing and, um, you know, trying to figure out what was wrong with this when there was really nothing wrong with it at all and took apart two Mac minis, you know, uh, had everything everything in and out, and it was overkill for uh, for uh, for the problem. But uh, it, was, it was pretty embarrassing, grueling process to get to there. Um, well, I guess mine is going to have to be a pretty silly a silly mistake that I made. Um, I had been upgrading my mic setup to uh, an XLR mic, and uh, I. I finally added the mute switch or a mute switch to my setup. And when I got it, you know, I installed it and had the the cables running the way they were supposed to from the mic into the mute switch, into the uh, interface, etc. And I uh, was going to do like a test because I remembered Jason Snell talking about how the mute switches they don't fully, fully, fully mute things. And so if you shout loud enough while the mute switch is enabled, you could actually still sort of pick up the person in the background. So like I ran QuickTime, uh, quick, QuickTime audio, you know, track and I was testing it and everything and I hit play and it was not putting out any sound at all. And so I was like, okay, this isn't good. Um, and so I, you know, did a bunch of things. I restarted the computer. I made, I like flashed everything that needed to be flashed and uh, like NVRAM and all that jazz and was, uh, checking my cables and like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have got this less expensive cable and this, that and the other. Then I finally, after, you know, so many hours, decided to look at the tiny little manual that came with the mute switch and discovered that I just had the thing muted. <sighs> Georgia, please, what is your blunder? Okay, so the wonderful thing of your phone is that you can see who's calling you before, so you can choose to answer or not to answer, which is lovely. Um, so uh, my husband gets a call from me. And we have mean nicknames for each other. It's it's a loving thing, but other people may not find this is loving. But anyways, it's loving. And uh, so uh, I call my husband and uh, he answers the phone and he's like, hey, fatness, um, because that's what he calls me when he's affectionate fatness. And um, which is great, okay. which is great. Totally okay. fine. Except it wasn't me. Um, I work at a medical building and oh, no. uh, it was one of the secretaries. For his doctor, 
calling him <laughs> to make an, a, the referral for the next follow-up. And so uh, he had to try to backtrack that and say why he had just called her fatness. Oh, Anyways. Um, what all the kids are saying these days. It's just it's like hip slang. <laughs> uh, yeah. What's the yeah, fatness? Yeah, she didn't believe him. She didn't, she didn't believe him. And uh, he, he had to apologize again when he saw her afterwards. <laughs> okay, let's, uh, let's go ahead and move on to halftime. Our halftime sponsor is our dear friend at Linode. With Linode, you'll have access to a suite of powerful hosting options with prices starting at just five bucks a month. And guess what? You're going to be up and running with your own virtual server in the Linode cloud in under a minute. That's 60 seconds. Linode has hundreds of thousands of customers who are all serviced by their friendly 24-7 support team. You can email them, call them, or even chat over IRC in the Linode community. They know how important it is to get the help you want, and they've got a suite of amazing guides and support documentation, so you can just hit up the reference if you don't want to go in and uh, talk to anybody. Linode's intuitive control panel will allow you to deploy, boot, resize, snapshot, and clone, and many other verbs, probably, your virtual servers in just a few clicks, and they've got to two-factor authentication to keep everything locked up tight. Linode's got fantastic pricing options available. Plans start at a gig of RAM for just five bucks a month, and they've got high memory plans starting at 16 gigs of RAM. As a listener of this very show, if you sign up at linode.com slash clockwise, you won't only be supporting us, but you're also going to get $20 towards any Linode plan. On the one gig of RAM plan, that's four free months, and you'll also get a seven-day money-back guarantee, so there's nothing to lose. Go to linode.com slash clockwise to learn more sign up and take advantage of that $20 credit or you can use the promo code clockwise 2018 that's this year at checkout thanks so much to linode for supporting this show and let's move on to dan's topic so fortnite seems to be the latest gaming craze that's just about everywhere even my uh my cousin's daughters have been playing it on their iphones uh i i did not realize it had reached so broadly uh, between this and the Pokemon Go craze of a couple years ago, which is still ongoing to a certain extent, has sort of this free-to-play become sort of the de facto game model? Have you fortnited? Do you buy do you, do you buy games or do you play only the free-to-play games? Do you play games at all? I know I know, Micah doesn't, but um, I'm kind of curious to know what your experience is with sort of this, this latest gaming craze. Dan? I have not personally played it but i've watched it my kids have friends who play a lot of it and um, i'm definitely going to try it i used to be really into gaming many years ago like pc gaming you know like the unreal Mm -hmm. tournament kind Mm -hmm. of stuff those things but um these days i still game a lot but it's more on the switch we have a nintendo switch that we use a lot and on ios especially my ipad i play a lot of games on those uh for me it's like computers for work nowadays and the other things, the other side of the house are for fun. So um, I I don't mind the free-to-play thing, but I, I kind of split it into, into the ones that are, you can try them. They let you play and see what the game is about. Uh, maybe they throw up some ads now and then. And then if you want the whole game or if you want no ads, then you pay you know a one-time thing. Uh, those are great. I play tons of those. I think that that's that's perfectly fine. I mean, it lets me check out the games, see if I like it, and then I'm you know if I get to pay three, five, seven dollars to for to get the whole thing, um, then I'm totally cool with that. Uh, the ones I don't like are the ones where you play and then you know you kind of have to keep buying stuff to keep playing or to advance. And so it's kind of like an ongoing, like a subscription if you just want to play the game, um, you know, uh, going forward. So 
I'm not a great big fan of those, but I think that the whole free to play thing is great. I mean, um, it's better than having the the old days where you had to spend seventy bucks on a game and then hope you liked it just because your friend said it was cool. I am with you there. I think that as long as um, it doesn't go too far into sort of tricking you into spending money, then I'm okay with it. Uh, I think if the idea is like you, the ones where it's like time based, where you sort of have to rebuild your energy or you can pay to rebuild your energy so you can keep playing, those really bother me. And I have to say that. This Fortnite thing, like they've made, I think, like a billion dollars or something like that. It's some quite wild value of money. And it's all, all the things that you can buy are just outfits. There's no, you don't get like better weapons or right, anything like that. Right. It's just outfits. Just don't understand. But anyway, uh, I think free to play, as long as it's not trying to sort of use your psychology against you to or use psychology against you to get you to spend too much money then i'm okay with it and that's because i have been susceptible to that in the past with animal crossing pocket camp uh i've been hurt before georgia help me oh, but that that's what all the good games do they make you want to this is all about prestige you you're the one that has the gold outfit and everyone else has blue and green outfits and this makes you feel better than everyone else which in the end we all want you'd like to say yeah you know what it's okay to be average but that's not true no one buys it so um yes i like i like the free to play games um i try not to buy anything in a game that is my thought to that um, so I, I'm playing a really horrible game right now. It's not Fortnite. Uh, it's Legendary Game of Heroes. And uh, it's a really huge game with a lot of people that are buying things. And I've bought nothing. I'm very proud of that. Though the pull has kind of drawn me in. And I'm like, oh, but maybe I'll just... I'm like, no, <laughs> don't do it. Just put it down. Um, so I, I like it. I think it's a good way to do it. And if you feel that the content has value for you, then you spend money to that. It is in the end a little bit of gambling, right? You get that little dopamine hit if you end up getting that special item that other people do not have. I haven't played Fortnite. I'm uh, playing uh, Budget Cuts right now in VR, which is awesome. Thank you. Oh, but that sounds um, so much fun. It's, it's so good. Killer robots that are coming at you and they talk to you in scary <laughs> voices. It's really terrifying. That, that does sound so much fun. So much fun. <laughs> so I I fully understand it. I get it. I think it works, and uh, it's okay as long as again it doesn't end up hitting kids, and you know you can passcode lock them out. Yeah, I I have not played Fortnite at all. I played the PUBG a little bit, which was sort of the major competitor on the consoles. Um, I think it's I actually kind of like the whole like you can only like buy cosmetic improvements because what that stops to me is that whole like buying things just to be better at the game than everybody else which was a thing that has frustrated me in games all the way back to like when i was in high school and used to play magic the gathering and there were like the kids who would buy like a whole box of cards just because they could and they just get the awesome cards and you'd be like oh okay like i just got priced out of this game um so so moving on to something that's more cosmetic i feel like it's easier for me to resist that too which is nice um so i i'm with you guys that the the free to play as a way of dipping your toe into a game uh and providing a tier for someone who is going to be maybe a more casual player of a game is totally cool. You know, the ones where it does is sort of like, you know, entice you to buy virtual currency or whatever to spend on things like that, that definitely gets a little more frustrating. So I, I hope that we're moving away from that, but I, I don't think we'll ever fully escape it. Thanks for your thoughts on that. Let's go to our final topic of the day, which comes from Dan Frakes. 
Yeah, so uh, over the years, we've seen a lot of, um, quote, concern coverage, unquote, about smart home gear and how it can be used to spy on people. But we're usually thinking about, you know, Google and and, uh, and Amazon and Apple spying on, on homeowners. But the New York Times published an, an important story this week about how these devices can be used for domestic abuse, um, as the Times puts it, uh, as a means for harassment, monitoring, revenge, and control. Um, it's scary, and it feels a lot like other kind of crime fears where it turns out that you're much more likely to be a victim of someone you know than a stranger. Uh, and so my questions are, 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 there, are we in the tech press doing enough to cover these kinds of abuses? And what can smart home vendors do to safeguard against them? I don't think we're doing enough. No. Um, the fact that this has taken, you know, this long to sort of come to the surface when we have to know, uh, you know, in reading this article, like this, clearly will have been going on since it since <laughs> since these smart home gadgets have really started to make their way into people's homes and uh that probably means that stories have have been perhaps ignored or or pushed away for other things and so i think that we have to do a better job of of discussing this or uh do a better job of explaining how to use this technology and how to help people understand um you know the the process of removing people from accounts and that kind of thing because that was one of the things that was mentioned in the article is that uh oftentimes people cited like not knowing how to make adjustments to the technology and when we're looking at this it's like it seems i'm sure there are people who think like this seems like such a subtle and non-important thing uh where someone is is you know making the doorbell ring or is changing the passcode on the lock but these small things are are examples of of power and are examples of someone taking advantage of of a person in the place where they're supposed to feel the most safe and so it's incredibly insidious it's incredibly awful and it it really turns my stomach to think about this. And so I think what this boils down to is us doing a far better job of making sure that people know how to uh, use this technology and and sort of can take control of it um, if it's going to remain in the home. And that might go all the way to if these are rental properties that have this technology involved, doing a better job there to give those, uh, those, those rental or rental, what is it? <laughs> those landlords, I guess I can't think of the other word. Um, you, you know, some sort of portal or some way to better enable access and control and change as, uh, people who live in the home change, because what we're doing right now is not enough. Yes, I, I think that you said that really beautifully. I think that it isn't just um, smart home devices. I think that it's also websites that track people and you can't have your information taken off of those websites. Um, or if you're trying to, to move away from someone, you have to pay in order for your information to be deleted from websites so you can still be found to that. Even if there's like, you know, the the insidious nature of abuse and being in a very disparaging power dynamic is that you end up feeling powerless. And even if you knew how to, you know, reset your devices, it's almost frightening to be able to take those steps against someone else. And so I think that in the end, education is the only thing that can really help us about what is abuse. It needs to happen much earlier than it happens, which is often not at all in our school systems, but it needs to be happening in, you know, grade six to grade seven levels where we're 
being able to teach people what is this, how to deal with it, what are appropriate versus non-appropriate sets of behavior, because in the end, technology is not going to be able to save us. It's only ourselves being able to save us. I, I think you both put that really well. Uh, obviously, there is always more that we can do and more that we should be doing in the tech press. There is also more, as, as Dan posited in the introduction there, that device makers should be doing in order to um, make their devices more usable, more friendly, make it clear how to use these things, especially if you are someone who lives in a home and you have physical access to these devices, whereas the the software side thing might be more complicated or more uh, easy to lock down, for example, or lock somebody out. Um, I, I think, you know, it makes me wonder after reading this article, it made me wonder like how many people also find themselves in a situation that like on the internet as a whole, because their, their router, for example, is controlled by, uh, somebody else in their household and they don't have access or their, their devices are filtered in some way. And it's like, there are a lot of tools. We often tend to look at the, the, uh, empowering aspects of technology. And I think we don't look as closely at the ways it can be used to, to hurt and um, restrain other people in in a in a like we, we think about it sometimes on like a governmental level right but we don't think about it as much mm. on a personal level and I think that's something that we definitely need to be aware of in this age and that the fact that technology is so ubiquitous that being able to control somebody else's access to it or be able to use it on somebody else or against somebody else is is really it's it's a problem and it can be it can be very difficult to fight back on that. Yeah, I've wondered about this kind of thing for a while, but from a different perspective in that we have quite a bit of smart home gear in our home. And if someone else could take control of it, it could they could really make our life a living hell. But I hadn't thought about it in terms of someone else harassing or abusing another family member, which is pretty scary. Uh, you know, and I've seen, I'm sure, hundreds of articles over the years about Amazon or Google or Apple or the government spying on people or, you know, hackers taking over your light switches. But this is the first time I've seen an article focusing on the use in domestic abuse. So I think from a media perspective, yeah, we could definitely do more to publicize this issue. But also, as others have said, to do a better job um, explaining how to avoid these kind of things, um, how things work, changing passwords, uh, you know, that kind of thing. Um, in terms of, of vendors, as Dan mentioned, um, I'd like to see more vendors just offer features like multiple accounts so multiple people can have admin access, um, much better instructions and app tutorials so people who aren't the, you know, quote, unquote, tech, techie in the family still understand what's going on. Because I feel like so many of these devices, they just kind of assume you're already a, an expert. And so what ends up happening is that the person who already knows what's going on ends up doing everything that's tech related, uh, you know, smart home related. And the other people in the family are just like, okay, that's your job. Uh, when really everybody, uh, as Georgia mentioned earlier, everybody really needs to, to understand how these things work, especially as they're just going to become more and more prevalent. Um, and then just things like forcing people to change passwords when they first set up a device so that they don't have these easy default passwords that anybody can guess. Um, but to be honest, I don't really expect much of this on the vendor side. So I'm hoping that we and the tech media can take the lead. Agreed. Uh, well, that is going to do it for us, but we may have enough time for a bonus question. Before we do, I want to tell you all about our friends at Mack Weldon. Mack Weldon makes the most comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, and sweatpants that you will ever wear, and that's no lie. Frankly, 
I gotta say it, Mack Weldon is better than whatever you're wearing right now. Unless it's Mack Weldon. And they're so confident about this that they've got a no-questions-asked return policy. Mack Weldon is sure that you're going to be super comfortable in whatever you buy, but if for any reason you don't like your first pair, you gotta keep them, because obviously they don't want them back, and they'll refund you no-questions-asked. By pairing premium fabrics, meticulous attention to detail, and a simple shopping experience, Mack Weldon delivers a new level of daily comfort straight to your door. They've got undershirts that stay tucked, socks that stay up, and waistbands that don't roll. Everything they make is made with premium cotton blended with natural fibers, and their website is built to get you in and out as quickly as possible. They don't want to waste your time. Uh, I just got a pair of their sweat shorts. And I got to tell you, I've worn them so much already. <laughs> like they're, they're bright orange. I think the, the color was called safety orange. And I thought, oh, I'm just going to wear these around the house. No, friends, I've been wearing them to the store. I've been wearing them everywhere because I like them so much. Uh, they're super comfortable. And I have so many Mack Weldon socks. And I will, uh, like I've talked about them before. They're my favorite pairs of socks. So uh, not only do Mack Weldon's underwear, socks, and shirts look good, but they perform well, too. They're good for working out, going to work, traveling, or just for everyday life, like I just said, the things that I've been doing. Listeners of the show can get 20% off their first order at MacWeldon.com with the code CLOCKWISE at checkout. Thanks so much to Mack Weldon for their support of this show and Relay FM. All right, very quickly, I'm curious. Name a song that every time it comes on puts a smile on your face or makes you dance or makes you tap your foot or brightens your day. Georgia, we'll start with you. So right now I'm doing Don't Don't Judge Me, The Greatest Showman. I'm doing their tracks and we all sing together in the car. Oh, that sounds awesome. (laughs) Uh, For me, I think it's uh, Shut Up and Dance by Walk the Moon. Nice. Mine is uh, Happy by Pharrell Williams, but it's not just because of the song, but when it came out, they did this brilliant thing where it was a website that it was literally a 24-hour video of people in LA from midnight to midnight dancing to the song. Like, just, it was just, it was happy. That's excellent. And mine is Take On Me by AHA. I cannot help but just dance to that song and sing it, even though I do it poorly. Uh, Thank you all for your answers on that. Dan, we have reached the end of the episode. All that's left is to thank our awesome guests, the most esteemed Georgia Dow. Thank you so much for joining us for Clockwise. Thank you. And the extremely sagacious Dan Frakes. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Anytime. To all of our listeners, thanks for tuning in. And until next time, we remind you, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody.